Hello and welcome to the Backstage Pass podcast season two. This season is full of sensational inspiring guests and I begin the new season and new year with the wonderful West End star and singer-songwriter Michael Pickering. Michael has had an incredible career leading in shows such as Starlight Express, Jersey Boys and even shared the stage with Spice Girl legend Melanie C. We talk about the amazing parts of being a performer and also how challenging it can be. Michael also talks about his very difficult beginning in life and how your life can be turned around when surrounded with the right people. A truly wonderful chat. Let's go. Well, I just want to begin the podcast by wishing you a happy new year. I can't believe it's 2024. Yeah. Did you set any New Year's resolutions? Um, I, I, uh, funny enough, I've got a fun, funny thing with resolutions. Okay. Um, I don't... I, I agree with personal resolutions. I agree with people trying to improve themselves. I agree with people having ideas. Uh, for example, I'm going to stop drinking or whatever the, the resolution may be. But I think... There's, there's a better time of year. I think there's a more personal time of year. And I don't understand why people don't use their birthday. Mm. It's such an individual, personal day. It's a celebration of your birth, of your life. And that's why we have parties and people come together to celebrate you. But I think part of that celebration personally should be that's when you make your resolutions. Because I think we all clump together for New Year's because, number one, we've been told to. And it makes it easier when you don't achieve those resolutions because you've got your mate, Steve, let's say, who um, said he was going to quit drinking and he's three days in and he's drinking again. <laughs> he, he has not made it through dry January. And um, so then I think everyone feels a bit more, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I'll just not do, do mine. But I think we are all given a specific, perfect day to go, you know, this year I'm going to do this. And for me, that's March 15th. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's my idea. And yeah, I might have a few friends who have birthdays around or birthdays on the same day, but that's my idea to appreciate me and to make my resolutions. Um, but then again, you can do that whenever. Resolutions mm. are a funny thing for me. And yes, I think, again, this year what I did in November, I had the idea of starting my New Year's resolution then. I want to start the year as it's with a head start. So instead mm-hmm. of going, I'm going to get into shape, first of January hits, I'm going to get into shape. I already started that. So now, today, I am a head start of where I would be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, I gave myself the best opportunity to achieve that resolution, albeit, yes, I disagree with the New Year's idea of it. I still run with it this year. Mm. But I also started it a month and a half before. Don't get me wrong, I still had too many beers, but it's that kind of, we can start our resolutions whenever. Yeah. I've talked far too much on this point, but no, I really believe I, that. I don't I understand why that. we don't use that day. Yeah, I love that. I think people use that, you know, New Year's is that they can wipe the slate clean of the year 
2023 being bad for for a lot of yeah. people and they go right let's hope that 2024 is a better year but i think there's something dangerous even with that because you're hanging on to a whole year being good and i think that that's a lot of pressure yeah you know there's going to be good moments and bad moments throughout a year and then to summarize it as good or bad i'm not, just not sure that that's good either but i think yeah. it's yeah i really like the idea of when it's january the 5th <laughs> every single year that i have my own personal new year's resolution i think yeah. that's really good you said what are you going to do for the rest of the year because again going mm. back to the um what what the the new year's resolution breeds as well as we see it a lot on instagram we see it a lot around the world and i, I hate it i really do hate it and i i don't like using the word hate but it's the in so many posts and we'll, we we saw it all this year 2024 is going to bring me 2024 is going to do it's going to do nothing it's a number change yeah <laughs> and we we all see it as a number change we all we don't see it as an entity it's it's not going to do anything for you you mm. have to do it you have to go get it and what better day to do that personally than your own birthday yeah. I'm, I'm going to do this for me this year this is my uh for me it will be my 39th year this is my 39th year i will do this I love that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think of... it'd be really good for everybody to. Everybody yeah. <laughs> to do it. I, I mean, the beginning of the year, January, February, it's it's a quiet time for performers, mm -hmm. wouldn't you say? I mean, you've got the lead up to Christmas, which can be quite hectic, and then January hits, and then everything goes very, very quiet. Yeah. How do you handle the quiet times in the profession? Uh, I mean, there's this. It's not just January. It's not just February. There's there's a lot of quiet times, and I've been very very lucky to be a performer where I didn't get a lot of those quiet times mm -hmm. so far. Um, and it's because again, you could go through one of the busiest audition times, but work wise, it can still be a quiet time. You might not land anything. So as much as you are working hard and you're learning new scripts and you're learning new songs and you're working for an audition. Mm -hmm. The only thing that makes it not a quiet time, really, is when you get the reward of a job offer or get the job. Um, but I tend to, I don't know, I mean, I, I'd be a hypocrite to say if I was to, sometimes I've focused in and gone hard on the fitness. Sometimes I got a little bit frumpy because I was doing too many gigs and <laughs> I was eating too much food on ships or uh, traveling up and down the country, having far too many um, light years up and down the country. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, which was a severe issue for me i get travel sick in a car so i'd always say i'd be in the car in the front so i don't get travel sick but i'll stay awake with the driver on the way back that was a lot of milk yes and a lot of coffee oh god like, we drive up to scotland <laughs> do a gig and drive back it just over and over and over yeah we, we start to put on a bit of weight but um i try and you know what i i've got to be honest I think if I'm really honest about the, the answer to the question is I, I rely on my friends. I London can be one of the most amazing places in the world. It is one of the most yeah. amazing places in the world. But it also can be the loneliest place in the world. Um, and especially in theatre when you've got, I see your best friend just disappears off on tour. It's not that they don't love you. They're working. Yeah. And they ain't going to come down on a Sunday just to see you for a Sunday. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what they do with their partner or, mm. or whatever. Um, and that's just one friend. Everyone's all over the place. So I, I try and 
lean on my friends a bit more yeah. um, or just spend time with my friends a bit more because again you can when you're working you don't really have the time and that's not because you don't love them that's just because you're so busy and so consumed mm. with your work and as a performer you tend to get very much consumed with what you do because we love it um and every job you do you create another family yeah so you you spend time with that family i always remember once i was on holiday with my my dad and it makes a lot more sense now but still i believe my childish opinion and we were on holiday and my mom and dad and my brother were, we were going out on a day trip and i wanted to stay with my mates in the resort and they were like my, my dad i'll never forget it he said you're only going to know these for another week and then that's it. And as an adult now, I go, I completely get what you mean. But as a kid, that, that to me, that was the point. So I'm only going to know them for another week. So I may as well enjoy. Mm. I'm going to know you when we get back, Dad. <laughs> Do you mean how, how awful is that? But You'll still the, be there. <laughs> yeah, there's two, there's two sides of it. And yeah. I mean, as an adult, once you start losing people as well, you, you'll see still be there. You realise that yeah. <laughs> you need to, yeah. maybe they won't. But no. um, it's that kind of, yeah, it, you get very consumed within your jobs. And then you leave and you realise you've took one friend with you when you thought you had 30. Yeah. Because everyone has lives. Um, yeah. This profession, you have to just take every job that you can. You know, no matter what. I'm, I'm learning that more now because mm. I, again, I think we all get a bit big for our boots, maybe. Um, <laughs> now, obviously, just come up with a massive job. And I have so many dreams and passions and want to move forward. And again, we all want to keep the same paycheck, but that's never going to happen in theatre. Like, it's the only industry where I think you could get a promotion, you could finish a job go to another job and actually get a promotion, but you'd be on less money than you were on the last job. Yeah. It, it baffles yeah. me. It baffles yeah. me. It's, it, but it's, that's the industry. That's mm. the industry. Um, and it, it does depend on theatres and who you're working for and where you are and what the show is and how much they sell and blah, blah, blah. So it's not just going from one place in Canary Wharf to another place in Canary Wharf uh, for a bigger wage. Um, but, um, yeah, what was the point? <laughs> Run off on a, on a tangent. <laughs> That's all right. So the quiet times, you know, but obviously you, you want to be with your friends. and Yeah, I think friends yeah. and family. I don't get to see my family enough, but um, it's one of the quiet times are the hardest times, I think, for, for a performer. And especially with the world of Instagram, they can look like, your friend can look like they're still in a job. Like I got asked the other day, are you still on Jersey Boys? It's been a year now where, right. where I haven't been. Doing, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, that's yeah. kind of like, but Instagram says that's what I'm still doing. Mm-hmm. So again, I think there's there's so many things out there for mental health at the moment and this, that and the other. Because Instagram makes you forget that people might be going through a hard time. You just don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think it's, I tr- even when you get your side jobs, your little jobs and things like that, you You've got to get something that makes you happy. So at the moment, I work at Barry's Boot Camp. It makes me very happy. I enjoy it. It's great. But there, were, uh, there was one pub job I was doing. And I remember I was cleaning ashtrays, just like, oh, I'm worth more than this. This is horrendous. I've just come from, for want of better words, being idolised on a stage, being the lead in a show, 
to cleaning the ashtrays, being told off by who was he was a lovely guy. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Some seventeen-year-old who cleans the dishes, but this was his responsibility. Then end of the night, to, which was great, and yeah. I like that he had it. <laughs> but thirty-eight-year-old being mm. dictated to by a seventeen-year-old who's trying to show off to the man. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. that kind of yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, he was lovely. He was great. I really actually <laughs> liked him. Um, but it, you do, you get to a point where you're going, what am I doing? Mm. Well, even if you've, you've got the side job or... Because it's very easy just to sit and live off your savings. Yeah. If, if we have any savings. Have um, as performers, <laughs> we don't like to go to the pub. Sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so we... It's an interesting one. I just... I think the best word is survive. And I, I don't think you can ever put a, a title or a, a definition on that. Mm. Um, again, friends at home go, oh my God, you live in London. And I know in my head and say yes, but I survive in London. No matter yeah. what I'm doing, no matter what we're all doing. You, London is a place you survive, I believe. And that's one thing I realised helped me once I realised that I'm surviving London, and a lot of people are surviving London. I'm not alone in that. Yeah. It made me calmer. It made me go, yeah, okay. Instead of being, I should be here, I should be constant, I should be this, I should be that. Everyone's moving fast. Everyone's, oh, my God, everyone on the tube. Yeah. And it that's stress. That's everyone worried. That's everyone stressed. That's everybody trying to survive Mm. And it is it's so fast paced and stressful. Yeah. I was um, making a point the last time I went into London, actually. I mean, I did have heavy bags with my podcasting equipment. <laughs> but I was like, I, I'm not going to go in the lift. I'm going to go down the escalator. And I saw I was having to just stand to the right mm-hmm. to just let people on the left down. And everybody was running past me in such a hurry. And I was just stood there with my suitcase going, this is quite nice, actually. Yes. Take this. T- this is the time that you can use to think a bit rather than just always be in a hurry to get somewhere. Yeah. You can sit or, or stand, you know, with, with your thoughts for that little bit longer. And I thought, there's something, there's something to this. Yeah. yeah, surviving, that's a really good word for mm. it. And yeah. just, yeah, yeah, I think for people to sort of step back and enjoy the experience of London rather than all these pressures of I need to mm. make something of myself and, you know, who are you doing it for as well? Are you doing it for yourself or is it for someone else? You mm. know, so it's good to... I think I think to... as well, I think there's a lot of performers who... I don't think any performer really leaves the industry, but yeah. there are performers who, let's say, leave the industry. And it's because they don't survive. And it's not because they don't love what they do. Mm. It's because... And I, I think this... I mean, I, I hope someone writes in and says I'm wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, I... I but I honestly believe it's because nobody's quit. No one's give up. No one's, everyone's, anyone who's stopped has just gone, I'm done surviving this way. Yeah. There was another way to live and they go to live. They, they, they change the direction so they live instead of yeah. surviving. Because even when you get that big job and you're paid, that's uh, just uh, 1,500 a week and you're having a great time, that's a year's contract. It's a year's contract. Mm. And then forget about whether you get on with the people in the job, whether you don't get on with the people in the job, whether you like the show, whether you don't like the show, whatever else comes with it. Yeah. You're still surviving in a way. And you don't know when the next job is coming. And that's when they go, 
I'm going to go have a life. Because again, surviving as a performer, as you well know, is going to pass. It's making sure your voice is okay. It's going to singing lessons. It's spending all that money you're earning on the stuff that you don't get paid for to make <laughs> yes. sure you can yeah. get another job that you might get paid for. Um, there's no kind of apprenticeship style thing in this industry. No. You don't get paid to train, to work, and you get paid to do your job, and then you get paid. You have to look after yourself, otherwise you can't do your job. Um, yeah. And I think people just get very tired. Yeah. I guess the motivation has to be stronger than if you're in a ballet company, for example, because you're there's a studio where you do class. It's part of your day, the rehearsals, and it all comes under the umbrella of payment for, you know, you're a performer, mm-hmm. but you're not always performing, putting on different productions. I mean, it's different because it's like a family and, you know, you're mm-hmm. climbing the ranks within, within that and you start to get paid more the more you go up mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But you can in, just enjoy being in a company Whereas when you're, where's my next job and how much am I getting paid? I think you have to love it that much more. And, you know, the discipline to go, okay, I'm a dancer who's in the West End. I'm going to do ballet class every day, which you then have to pay for. You know, there's And it ain't cheap. No, it's not cheap. It ain't cheap. And it's, and I'm I'm not saying it should be either. But it adds up. It adds up. It adds up. And we're talking now at the moment where, my my first wage in the West End was 15 years ago. I think we're 15 years ago. And 2007, and it was 550 a week. We have moved on many, many, many a year now. And people are on less than that in the West End at the moment. People are on really? a bit more, but people are on less than that at the West End. Oh. Classes have gone up. Everything's Food prices have gone up. up. Mm-hmm. Living prices have gone up. Everything's gone up. And I'm not saying yeah. all wages are like that, but the fact that, Anyone is in the West End at that at the moment in time. It could be on a wage like that, which is actually fifteen years old. It, it's it, how how do you again? How do you survive? How do you go to class? How do you, do you make sure you get the next job? How do you do it? Because mm-hmm. it becomes impossible. Um, and it, it, again, I, I I agree with the you got to invest in your product to make something from it. But there's only so many credit cards you can keep putting something away and mm. paying for your classes for when you get a job to then pay off the credit card. But it might only be a three month job. It might only be Panto. Yeah. Which Panto was a great job. But then also going back to why is it so quiet in January? It's because everyone's knackered. <laughs> yeah. Like there are so many Pantos across the country, yeah. across the world. Mm. They do two to three shows a day. It's constant. It's yeah. hard work. I mean, even it sounds really silly, but a friend of mine the other day had a 10 o'clock and then a 7 o'clock. So they had like a, a massive gap in oh. the middle. And again, that sounds great. Oh, you got a five hour break. It, no, you're it, always on that. I've yeah. got to do a show later. You can't relax. Yes. So yeah. you, can't, you can't finish and go to the pub and no. relax. You can't just switch off. Mm. Um, even if I, I, I did that once and I went to the cinema, it was a bad idea because I was like, oh, and I left the cinema. I was like, I've got a show. And I, I just had to warm up again. I had to get back into the frame of mind. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, where, how do you survive? How do you continue when the money doesn't relate? And you're trying to do class and you're trying to, mm. and it's a constant, constant battle. Yeah. It like, sounds it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even now as well, um, you see performers who are West End leads and all that kind of stuff on Instagram 
doing singing videos, constantly doing videos, constantly doing TikToks, constantly doing, because if they fall out of the public eye, mm. because we all apparently, we all think we're famous now because we've got 10,000 followers or whatever it is. <laughs> um, it, we, we suddenly, uh, we don't feel important and we, we, we feel, I, I think it's wrong. I don't agree with the whole Instagram thing and all that. I mean, when I left college, the idea of you putting a song on the internet, of you singing a musical song from a show, a show you wanted to be in, it was just, you don't do it. Yeah. You do that in the audition. Um, I'm sending a video of you singing something, but now we do. I mean, um, I, I mean, I hate bringing up COVID on a podcast. Did things change in that period? Because it was the only way that you were going to get yourself out there was through, yeah. yeah. But it seems to be a permanent change. It's not going to revert back to the way it was. No, I would that's, like that's, it to. That's because of TikTok. That's because yeah. of TikTok and attention seeking and yeah. the the addiction to um, likes. I yes. was watching something the other day and it releases endorphins and you enjoy that feeling. So therefore, it it is an addiction, mm. uh, which is why I very rarely post. Because I, I find if I'm going to post something and I realise I'm doing it to get attention or to... So people think I'm relevant. So I think I'm relevant. Oh my God, they like my course. So, so my friends are still my friends and all that. Yeah. Or like the to post something to say I'm doing a gig. Hey, I'm not in Jersey Boys, but I'm doing a gig. I'm here. I'm there. As soon as I think I'm doing it for the likes, I don't I don't post it. Yeah, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous, dangerous slope to get on. Mm. I think I've been guilty of that once. I had a, another page, yeah, yeah modelling, and I was just like. There was this really almost seductive picture of me and, it, oh, hundreds and hundreds. I post one where I'm actually doing something skilled and I didn't get half as many likes. And I was like, see, that to me doesn't make sense. And it annoyed me. So I was like, I'm just going to post things that I want mm-hmm. to post and not worry about the attention that it gets. Like when I post things on Instagram, it's to inform people of my podcast and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I'm not there going, how many likes? Once it's out there. It's fine. And, mm. you know, it's it's building up, but it's slow. But, yeah, I'm just going, okay, I've posted that because that needs to be out there. Full stop. That's it. So so on that, right, okay, we're going to go back to the <laughs> right. So I think in COVID as well, a lot of people got um, bored mm. and, again, needed that validation or also needed to, and I think in that time it was a bit of, hey, hey, remember me, please, don't. It's, we don't know how long this is lasting and it was scary and I, I, we all did a lot of things and I was putting free fitness classes out there um, and, and it, it, I think whatever we did at that time we did to survive again yeah. to survive yeah. um, but I, I remember I was sat once we came out with the first one we could go to a coffee shop and things like that and I was scribbling on a notepad just little phrases and sayings I like and um, like uh there was one which is a boat is safe in in the harbour, but that's not what it's built for. It's just all these little things. I got lots of messages saying, "Are you all right? Are you okay?" <laughs> got friends calling me saying, "Someone's asking me if you're all right." I was like, "I'm absolutely fine." These aren't cries for help. These are bits of information that I think should be out there. Full stop. And a friend of mine actually got in touch. He was, you, "You've got to stop doing that. You sound like you're just about to throw yourself off a bridge." I said, "Then you've got to stop thinking of it that way." Yeah. Because in actual fact, mm-hmm. I'm also getting other messages saying needed to see this today. Yeah, and that's that's Thank the you. point of doing and it. And that is the that mm-hmm. is that one person. Yeah. And don't get, there was a few more. It's great, but 
that is that I did something good today, selfishly, but also somebody read that and went, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And these are, they're not massively amazing things. They're just little phrases, mm. just little things just to stay strong and just to keep moving and yeah. be positive. Mm. I'll be all right. I always will be. You don't need to worry about me. But I'm putting <laughs> it out there because I know what it's like to feel that way. And yeah. I know that, full stop, just like you said, it's out there, somebody reads it and goes, oh, that's actually quite funny. That yeah. Cool. So what what is your drive to being successful? We've talked about how how you are in the moments when you're, you know, needing to survive, but what is what is your drive, the burning thing that keeps you going? This is, I think there's many, many levels to this, many levels, I think. Um, I went through a bad situation when I was born. Uh, okay. I was adopted. And that's true. I'll just tell you. Right. So basically, when, <laughs> when um, I was born, I was born in Sunderland. And then um, basically, I uh, was treated very badly, very badly. And we moved to Germany. And my brother was born in Germany. Mm-hmm. And then we moved back to England because my birth father had a car accident. So we moved back to England and then he got his um, surgery. He needed everything. And then, uh, anyway, we ended up back in Sunderland. And social services got on to my mum and dad at the time. And we were, my brother was rushed straight to hospital. And he was so malnourished that when, uh, basically when we were taken away, he was given bread and butter and he was eating it and then sticking it up again to eat it again. Oh like God. he was in so much like trouble, he, they didn't wow. feed him, blah, blah, blah. Then I, I've still got two scars on my back where I had cigarette burns and cigarettes put out on me. So we were treated very, very badly. And then I was fostered and then Anne and John came along, my wonderful, wonderful parents, uh, who are the most wonderful creatures on the planet. Honestly, I can't even... I feel so lucky to be able to view them as human beings and not just as mom and dad I think it's because I was adopted it's not just you've always been mom and dad mm. there are two people who came into my life who became mom and dad and, and they wanted and, you yeah they really wanted you yeah I mean they might have regretted it when I was about seven but <laughs> 14 once we started hitting those ages but um yeah um but yes I think uh, obviously if I'm I've never been to therapy. I've never sat down and spoke about it. I'm such an overthinker with an ADHD brain um, who's got dyslexia, so avoids reading and writing in every possible term. Um, but um, part of it is to, part of my drive is wanting to make my mum and dad proud. Um, another part is. I know what it's like to feel worthless. And strangely, I pick the industry that makes you feel that way more often than any other. Um, I don't know any other industry where you potentially have 30 auditions for a job that might last... Oh, sorry, 30 auditions and the one you get is the one that lasts three months. So while you're in that job, you're still doing constant audition just still constant rejection still constant so I'm either I really enjoy the rejection which I don't but or I refuse to accept it and 
I can get myself into a lot of trouble for this. Like, um, if I see something uh, that is wrong, I will speak up. If I see someone speak to somebody else in a way that I disagree with, mm. I will speak up. And that could be anything from racism to just somebody speaking very badly to a woman or to a friend being spoken down to and they didn't deserve it. I will say that is unnecessary. Yeah. Um, and never start a fight. Never start anything physical, but I will always say something um, to stop that situation or to stand up for the person who is being belittled or anything like that. No matter the situation I'm in, my, every job I get, my mum goes, just keep your mouth shut, man. Just be cool. My God. Just, 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 just for this job. Just keep. <laughs> um, I think I've got a lot of friends like that as well who are like, Michael, just shut up. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it's within me. It's within me. I mm. can't see any wrongdoing. I, I won't allow it. Um, yeah. And I think I think part a lot of my drive is from yeah, not wanting, not accepting the worthlessness. And trying to believe that I'm worth more. Going back to your roles that you've been doing, yeah. what what would you say is your absolute favourite role? Rusty and Starlight Express has to be, I was in Germany at the place to do it. In Bochum, in the arena, it is, the arena is so big, big. We, get, we pick up speeds to like 30 kilometres an hour while singing and like just flying around this track wow. and telling an incredible story we i learned german so i actually um learned the show phonetically then learned what it meant in english but then learned what it meant in german because obviously things are flipped so i did a lot of work on that mm-hmm. and then once i'd done that once i was in the show i went to university to learn german because <laughs> i was like i need to and at that point i was thinking of staying there for maybe three years, four years, because I was like, this job is amazing. And it ticks every box for me. Um, And there was space to progress. So the wonderful, wonderful Michael Fraley was our skate coach, and he's not with us anymore, unfortunately. But um, he would do what was called open time. So in between double shows and particular days of the week, you'd go and you'd skate and learn new tricks and skills and this, that, and the other. So it's Mm. not just learning the show. You're constantly progressing. Um, and it was such a phenomenal, phenomenal show. It was amazing. Um, I always loved uh, a show called Three Musketeers by um, George Sykes. And it was it was at the Rose Kingston, beautiful little theatre, beautiful little place. Um, so physical, like to the point it was a, it was a Christmas run. And not one person could, we were all ill by the end, so ill. But if one person went off, the show was cancelled. Oh, There gosh. was so much sword fighting, Ooh. so much like acrobatic. And it was such a fast-paced show. Choreography was phenomenal. One person went off. It was impossible to have a swing or a cover to be able to cover that. It, was, it would have been so dangerous. Um, and like I was swinging in from ropes and like... <laughs> Oh, it was unreal. Sounds fun. <laughs> no, it was so much fun. Um, but I got to work with, because uh, I was D'Artagnan, and I got to work with three of the most phenomenal actors who played the the, the actual Three Musketeers. Um, they, were, they were insane. I learned so much. And I worked with a, 
a young lady called Kaiser Hammerland who was Constance, so she was the love interest, and she as well was just even even off stage. I learned so much from Kaiser. Um, I'll never forget. There was one where she was. Uh, are you all right, mate? Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. I was a bit girl trouble at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'd always, um, I had a thing back then where I was like, uh, I'd say always. You all right? Always, always. <laughs> and she pulled me on one side. She said, you know, it's really insincere. Really insincere. I'm asking how you are. And this habit of yours, I know you're not okay. What you're basically telling me is to shut up. And I don't mm-hmm. appreciate that. We're close friends. Wow. So maybe as well, I learned a bit of my honesty from Kaiser. Mm. Um, but it's, she, yeah, she didn't let me get away with it. Um, and that, so it's not necessarily about what happens on stage. It's also what happens off stage and who you meet. Um, I, honestly, Jersey Boys has got to be up there. But there's a lot of pressure comes with Jersey Boys. Um, there's a lot of... Not politics. Uh, politics is everywhere, but it's there will not be a day where you don't wake up playing Frankie Valley and worrying about your voice. Right. It's the strangest thing. Is it there today? Have I got it? It's a constant, constant thing. Um, and again, going into, I had an idea a while ago about. And it didn't really get picked up. I had a few friends who were agents and they, I think somebody needs to take a big risk on this because I think in 10 years time, this should be there. Every agent needs one. And it's a cross between, I, I, I call it a personal coach. So an agent has 40 clients and they're getting more now. There is no way they can give the care they used to. Yeah. And the way the world moves and how yeah. fast the world moves and how everyone needs a response like this. Um, there are some agents who just don't pick up the phone now because they do not have time. Wow, okay. Everything is so fast. And also agents need their time off as well. They need their downtime. They need a good friend of mine, Katie Will. She's amazing, but she is available 24-7, seven days a week. That's oh. what, makes she's, <laughs> what makes her phenomenal at a job. She's, yeah. she's incredible. She's an incredible agent. But she also needs a bit of downtime. But And that's without her doing the extras of giving all the personal care and all the personal feedback and all that. Mm. So sometimes that falls by the wayside. Anyway, right. I'm not saying with her. I'm saying with, with other agents. Yeah. But if there was somebody who worked at every agent, and I think every agent to be able to call themselves an agency in 10 years' time should have a personal coach, which is one, a personal trainer, mm-hmm. mixed with a version of a life coach or psychologist. There we are, there we are, we got it, right here. Me, me, me. Absolutely. Because there's so much aftercare needed these days. Yeah. And I think it's going to get worse because the the industry started to cast a lot younger than it used to. So now we've got a lot of younger people coming out and being very, very successful very, very quickly. But the casting younger is never going to change from now on. I can't see that happening. Mm. So once these younger artists have had three, four jobs, they're not the younger ones anymore. That's dangerous, isn't it? So when you have the likes of your Lisa Mathesons and your, I trained with her, that's why I say her, um, and you have your um, Emma Crossleys, and these might not be names that people remember, but as, as in it's not one of the big leads, it's not Kerry Ellis. 
But these two girls have had the most phenomenal careers. And they're, 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 they're hitting their 38s, 39s now, and, we're, they're, and they are still killing it. They are still on tour. They are still, like, one's in um, Mrs. Doubtfire at the moment and one's in mm. I Should Be So Lucky. Mm. Absolutely killing it. They have never stopped through their careers. They are continuously, they have a career. But I think that thing might be out the window. The, the, the idea of those two performers, I think that's out the window now. Because mm-hmm. the younger ones get to three, four jobs, and they're not the younger ones anymore. So anyway, mm-hmm. the whole point being yeah. is, if there's a bit of aftercare, mm. so somebody comes out of their audition and they have somebody to speak to because they, they can't speak to their agent. That's what I used to do. I had Barry Burnett at the very beginning. I was like, Barry, what's going to be like, darling? And he'd chat <laughs> and he'd just say, yeah, yeah. Well, and we'd chat and that was it. They don't have time for that anymore. Or the but, knowledge to properly help yes. someone. Well, yes, as well. Yeah, because yeah. again, as much as you, that you could call your agent, oh, darling, get over it. It's fine. On to the next which is another phrase I hate because it doesn't help anyone or anything. On to the next. No. On to the next. And I'm not saying anyone's doing anything wrong by saying that. Because technically what you're saying is I don't have time to deal with this right now. And I don't mean that as an insult to anybody. We've all said it. Yeah. I've said it to my friends. I've said it and I've walked away and gone, oh, I just basically told them to shut up. <laughs> um, but I think that there needs to be someone there who is holding people accountable for, let's say, um, you've had some feedback on it and you need to lose some weight because you've got bigger or you're in healthy size mm. um, or you, you were worried about it, you're looking really slight. Like you, you're, you're saying you want to play parts that Henry Cavill will play. So we need to make you accountable for going to the gym. So the trainer gives you a training schedule the trainer, and again, it could be in a in a. He could have his own little private room, a private gym. So you go in, you see the trainer. It's like a personal trainer for the agency. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Then, yeah. tick, they turned up. Mm. Tick, they didn't turn up. Hey, why didn't you turn up? Don't let us down. You said you wanted this. You said yeah. you're wanting us to work for mm. you. You need to prove to us that you. So then, within this agency and within your twelve point five percent or fifteen percent, whatever it is. There is someone you can always go to. And in this office, you can either sit down and just have a chat. Yeah. Say, listen, I'm really struggling. Mm. Or I never got taught taxes at college. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so no, one, no one is taught it, and I think you should be. Well, I mean, well yeah. there we go. Um, yeah. I'm 38 years, years old, and I'm still sending it just to an accountant. I'm just like, mm. do it because I, and I'll pay whatever I need to pay. Yeah. I don't mm. understand it. I should. I'm self-employed. Mm human being oh, um, i'm the same i think a lot of people are they, they just send it off and it's a lack of time as well i think well, yeah. But yeah um yeah. but i think this idea of a personal coach in each agency and i think the first one to do it the first two to do it will be the next leading agents yeah because it will be oh we've signed with them uh, let's just say denton briley because i know uh, katie's there um oh yeah oh they're the ones who have like a personal trainer, and they sent like you, you. You go to class, and you you they, they just tell you when to turn up, and oh my god, and oh you have your, like your little therapy session, and all this kind of it becomes part of, like you said about the um the ballet work, the family. Yeah. Do you know what I mean because there's yeah. none of that anymore, and the loneliness slightly dissipates because everyone's just trying to survive in London, whereas you have 
your agent becomes part of your family and yeah. your agent gets a bit of a break to do their job, which mm. is hunt for you, search for you, push for you, yeah. do all that kind of stuff. And not just you, 40 other clients and 50, which I think mm. each performer forgets. Um, they get to do their job knowing that, let's just say you, for instance, are sat there going, hey, yeah, just a little notch going there. Michael turned up today, really rough time. Um, I think I set him off on the right path, but I'm just going to keep an eye on him. Yeah. Cool, done. Mm. Um, Michael didn't turn up to his PT session today. I'll give him a call tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. little things where yeah. they go, all right, and everybody's held accountable. Mm. Because again, even a situation I'm going through right now, I'm finding it difficult because of everything else going on in my life. I'm finding it difficult to focus on certain things. Whereas if I had somebody just sat off my shoulder that I knew, number one, I couldn't let down. And number two, that I could just go, kick me up the ass, please. Just, and you go, cool, right, I'm back on it again. And somebody who understands it, because again, yes, we all have families. Some people don't, unfortunately, but some have it that understand it. Some have it that understand it too much. Like my mum and dad, my dad's very much just like, we'll just move on. Or I support you, I'm behind you, but just, all right. They, they, my mum just doesn't understand how I continue to be in London. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's, that's on a positive thing because she's mm. like, I couldn't do it. Um, and it's it's having that support where somebody understands. The clients are looked after because, again, a lot are just coming out of college. And colleges do it. With, they're mm. taking more students now. And fuck, man, I'm sorry, it's greed. They're every, oh, they're, there's, there's so much money flying around and nothing going in the right places. But yes. That's, that's it, another podcast yeah, as well, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, <laughs> absolutely. And the, like, if you have kids coming out, sorry, not insulting anyone because I don't mean to call them kids, but younger ones coming out, they're just left. Mm-hmm. And the college claims all their good bits. Mm-hmm. But even colleges don't have a, a graduate's class. Do you mean there's, yeah. there's no kind of like any graduate can come back and there's like a, not a course, but because you went there, you can do this. You can have these classes. You can do this if you're struggling or even if you just want to. Um, you're, you're out. You're gone. You're in the world. Yeah. yeah. And nobody is looking after them. Mm. I mean, that's one of my main motivations for this whole thing is that there isn't enough care mm-hmm. going behind the scenes of performance. That's why I named it the Backstage Pass, is going behind and seeing what's really going on. Mm. And it's been amazing to find out a lot of things but also devastating I've been left reflecting on quite a lot of stories that I've heard and it is like sometimes I've been really really emotional about it I'm like this there are these amazing amazing performers out there across the board different ages who it matters how you perform the end Mm -hmm. when there's so much more I've spoken on about it on a few podcasts about you know how your external issues are going to affect your performance, but that you don't want to speak to your agent or the casting people because then they would discard you. So if you had somebody like a counsellor mm-hmm. who was there running along agencies, I think that's just a genius idea. I think people are going to snap that up. You should have your name all over that, by the way. I tried. No, yeah. Nobody picked it up. Okay, so well, somebody take it. Somebody I don't take care it. about the money. <laughs> Help people, please, because that's all that matters. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, there's, yeah, there's just not enough money going 
into this, but yeah, um, I'm working on a few things. Yeah. So, ah, good, good, yeah. good, good. So tell me about your experiences singing with Mel C. How was that? You know, I don't think I appreciated it enough at the time. Um, I appreciated it, don't get me wrong, but I think I was very overwhelmed with the whole thing. Working with uh, Mel and um, Tim Minchin and Chris Moyles as well, he was a story. He's a, he's a, he's a good story to, to tell in a second, but um, Mel C was, she's probably one of the hardest working, most driven, intelligent women I've ever worked with in my life. Really? Yeah. And quick little story for the example. She, we were on opening night or the day before opening night and she sadly lost, I think it was her grandma on her mom. Um, and she twisted her ankle that day on stage. So we took her out of the, the, the bigger dance numbers. She was in every dance number. Oh, wow. Like there was no kind of, she's a celebrity and she just walks on when she does everything. Mm. She was running up those stairs like we were. She was running down them in, like it, she was honestly. That's fantastic. She's brilliant. And then um, she then got taken out because of her ankle. And the next conversation she had was, right, so when's the rehearsal to put me back in? We'd done opening night. She could have just stayed out of the numbers and that was the track from now on. Yeah. She could have got away with it, which I know a lot of performers who would, mm-hmm. <laughs> who would go, oopsies, oh, <laughs> I'll just sit back here for this bit. Um, but she didn't. She went straight to the choreographer and director and was like, so when am I back in the dance numbers? And that for me, there was a lot, I gave her a lot of respect for that. She, and she did the show, although she'd lost somebody as well. She did the show. Mm. She got back into the dance numbers she honestly is one she she's phenomenal she really is phenomenal and it's it's not a surprise that she's still going after the spice girls and you see her, she'll see her pop up here and there like ev- everywhere on instagram for me i mean maybe i follow her too much but here i'm still a spice girls fan um a spice girls fan anyway, <laughs> spice girls i'm spice still girls i'm still a fan i love them yeah absolutely love them um oh my god yeah me and my friend John we used to sit playing a football manager, drinking uh, cans of beer, shandy, thinking it was going to get us drunk, and uh, listening to Spice Girls. The Beatles as well, but the Spice Girls. I um, love that. Yeah, that's uh, John Henderson. Hey, Matt. Um, yeah, good lad. Um, but yeah, she she honestly is incredible. I think everyone needs to meet her. She had the right balance of fun, right balance of time for serious now. Um, and she's clearly got a lot of knowledge on what she does. Mm. Um, and again, I think someone like Mel is somebody, I mean, all the girls, I think, are people who need to do maybe more podcasts and things like that. I mean, is it the Red Table? The Red Table or something that um, Will Smith's wife does? It's an American one and they, it's busy. they all sit around, like a loose women kind mm, of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think, again, even though the British version is very much we can hit topics, but we're very polite about things. It's very polite. And yeah. I think when we're polite, we're also not honest. Mm-hmm. And totally I think agree. there needs to be things out there which we, we need to be more honest. And I mm. think Mel, Mel is somebody who would. Yeah. I think, uh, and I think it's a world where we need a lot of more powerful female role models, mm. uh, especially, no offence to anyone, but especially in a world where everyone thinks they're... Um, 
an Instagram influencer. Yeah. Um, because as much as you've got 20,000 followers, that doesn't even touch the side on how many people are in the world. Mm. You're not really influencing anything. Yeah, I mean, I, my view of influencer is someone who, is, who has influenced me my direction mm -hmm. you know like um the psychotherapist i had on my podcast he was a big influencer on my life yeah. he he was sort of my mentor into beginning my studies that that's what my understanding of it is and someone like mel c she has influenced millions and millions of people mm -hmm. for what 20 years mm -hmm. and still going because and from what you're saying she's driven oh yeah she is hardcore mm -hmm. and she probably like you will not just sit back and bite her lip if she's got something to say i bet she says it as well yeah. i think it's very i think it's very brave to be that way it is but i mean there's a there's a big difference as well i mean in somebody who you've got to admire it because there's a lot of people that get to that point I, I will never get to that point. So me opening my mouth will always get me into trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> because there's never going to be a, oh, it's Michael, he's, he's he's more important than what's going on kind of idea. He's the he's putting bums on seats or whatever it is. I don't think there'll ever be a point where that that's me. So I'm listened to in that respect. But Mel is. Mm. And it's very easy for people to get to that point to go, oh, I'm just going to shut my mouth now. I'm here. I'm just going to stay here. I think it's so important for the people who get there to say something. Yeah. Um, who's the actress who's in um, Ted Lasso? I don't know. She's a she's another one. My word is going to bug me now. <laughs> and she's won an award recently. And she's won many awards, but she's a musical theatre girl. She's in TV, and she is one who will sit. Mm. She's got there, and she will sit. She's not like right. It's the same with advice. Help the guy below you. Do you know what I mean like don't just step on them, pick them up, take them with you? Yes. Um, yeah. It's it's the same with auditions. If I get an audition and I think my mate's perfect for it, I'll call them. Because if I think my mate's perfect for it, doesn't mean I, I might still get it. I might not, but mm. I'd rather somebody who's perfect get it than not. I, do you know what I mean I, I'm not one of these yeah. people who've got an audition? Because yeah. you behave like that, someone else will get it. Fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when you're helping each other out, that's. I always think of the karmic value that that gives you, the yeah. law of attraction, you know, that, mm -hmm. you know, and being, being in alignment with what you want is really important, but also recognizing that if your friends need to be brought onto their right path as well, I think it's so important. And people do get, I, I think because it's such an overpopulated industry, people going, oh my God, there's this audition, but don't want to tell anyone about it because I need that job. I need the money. Mm -hmm. And I understand that as well. I totally understand that. But you do have to help each other out where you can. And if you feel like someone, like you said, if you thought your mate, your mate was right for the part and you give him a call, not many people are going to do that. I think but that's not. really amazing. But also it's the kind of, you, you're saying, um, I can't tell many people because you're telling me there's not another 500 people <laughs> been called? Exactly, Just because yeah. your mates haven't been called or yeah, the people yeah. in the show you're in haven't been called doesn't mm. mean you're still going to turn up with a load of people. Oh, yeah. So you may as well tell your mate who might get it but also even that audition might put them in front of the right director that got them the next job it's not yeah. about this particular moment in time mm. you might have just put them in front of for example Nikolai Foster who 
wonderful director. Hope to work with sometime. Um, <laughs> but and he's such a lovely guy. So, but again, it's that kind of if I suggested somebody and they managed to get an audition because they didn't know what was happening. And then they went on and had a really good friendship and relationship with Nikolai and worked with them loads. It, I'm not saying that I did that. That's not what I'm saying. It's the the fact that that opportunity was given because somebody was nice. Instead of being selfish and stuck in your own little world. And again, if we all were to do that, I think everything would be a bit better. I think so. I totally um, agree. It, it's, it's, yeah, I just don't understand why. We don't, but again, we're all different. Yeah. Going sort of back into the industry that you're in, I think that embracing your uniqueness, using your superpower, you know, if, mm. if you're if you're not quite tall for something, okay, well, well, what are the shorter roles? How can I make sure that I get all of those? Mm-hmm. You know, like really, really homing in on the things that you can get, yeah. on the things that you can achieve. It's knowing your casting, isn't it? Mm. It's knowing your casting. And I think I learned something very recently um, when I went to Nashville. Networking in the theatre industry, for some reason, has got such a bad name. Um, going up to the right party to meet the right casting director to say hello. Yeah. It's got such a bad name. Um, and I don't know whether that comes from a... a stereotypical British kind of if we're jealous of something we'll put it down or something like that or if somebody's very good at it we'll say something negative about it or we'll call it stagey or we'll call it whatever it is um and for the record if someone's stagey for me that just means you love what you do and you talk about it and I have no issue with that if you love what you do fantastic but it's when I was out in Nashville I was meeting all these people having such an amazing time being like oh my god I can network. There are people out there who do want to sit and talk and do want to help and do want to follow you. I mean, I was offered um, representation by an amazing man called Big Vinny. I was playing gigs. I played one of the blue, played the bloody bluebird, which is just insane. Um, And I just worked and pushed and pushed and pushed. But in this country, it doesn't seem like you can do because it's got such a negative connotation on it. It's like, who did you sleep with to get the job kind of idea? And in actual fact, it's just being nice. Yeah. It's just just have the conversations. Have, like, know who you need to meet as part of knowing what your casting is. Like, I bumped, which is literally walked past David Greenrod and Stephen Crockett last night. And they were rushing off to the Palladium to see a show. Now, I had a choice there. I could either say hello and keep walking, mm-hmm. just make sure they saw me. Yeah. Stop them, which I wouldn't. They seemed like they were in a rush to make sure they saw me. Or just keep walking and smile because I saw them. If I was in Nashville, I'd have stopped them. Right. And probably walked with them saying, oh, you're rushing to the theatre. Yeah, just nice to see you. It's just good to see you. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I wasn't. I was in England. So I left them alone. It's, but I know what they're casting. I know they like me. I know they would smile. I know they would, but I still didn't. Wow. For whatever reason that mm. is, or whatever the industry says I can and can't do, or I let them be. When I was in Nashville, I was a different person. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. It's a shame that it has that you have to sort of change your approach mm-hmm. depending on where you are. But I guess that's well, the problem that's, is the thing is you don't anywhere. have to. The problem is you don't have to. No, I guess that's not. That's the issue. Mm. You, you don't have to if you if you want to go out on a night out to freedom where <laughs> all the apparently stagey and it's negative people go. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want to be in and around the industry, meeting the right people? Yeah. Talking to the right people. I got offered a job, uh, actually a really good job, um, that took me to Abu Dhabi. Wow. Because randomly I went to Freedom with a friend just for a drink. And a very, very big musical director was there. And wow. he just went, Michael, oh, <laughs> fixed, sorted, done. He picked up his phone, sent a message. He went, right, you're coming to Abu Dhabi. I said, what? Wow. He said, yeah, he said, I need a tenor. It's going to be you and John Addison, my naughty tenors. Um, we're going to do two days rehearsals and then we're off to Abu Dhabi and the, the, the money's good. The money was insane. Wow. For a week's work, week and a half's work, the money was insane. Wow. So basically, go to Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Say hi to Simon Lee. Um, yeah. It is an amazing place, actually. I've had some of the best times. I've met yeah. some amazing people there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've had a drink with Graham Norton before. Have you? Yeah. Oh, Graham said quite a lot. He happened to be there at the time. Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah. I was Brilliant. singing there once and Graham was sat over there. I was very nervous. Very yeah. nervous. Um, yeah. And if you're listening and you don't go to Freedom, it's in Soho and they do a kinky cabaret and you will see some of the most phenomenal performers just on a random basis singing whatever yeah. the hell they want. Yes. It's amazing. It go. is amazing. It is amazing. And it's good to be surrounding yourself with people you know, that are in the industry. And you never know who you're going to meet when you go to places where people from the arts go. I think it's always good to go. I mean, when I started this podcast, I started to go out to these places again because I was sort of scouting for people that I wanted to have on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's important. It's a very good place. I've been been a little choosy with who I pick for my podcast, but, you know, it has to be be the, the right message and the right... Yeah, people. but you also can't have the same person every time. No. You can't have the same... Uh, do you know what I mean? Once you've had a ball- ballerina, you can't have 12 different it, ballerinas from the same company. No, you it, can't. Because you, you can't. get the similar stories. Exactly. You, you'd get different personal stories, but the actual mm. meat of the industry would be very, very different. Yeah, yeah. Um, although their experiences might be slightly different. Experiences, yeah. But, I'm, you know, I need lots of different types of performances. Mm. But, yeah, God. Lots of exciting people on the show as yeah, well. Yeah, some good ones. Yeah. So what's next for you? So I have now got my lawyer. Sounds really serious. It's um, very serious. No, my lawyer is <laughs> working on the uh, the pack to send away for my American visa. So the idea is to move to Nashville, um, which is also a hell of a lot closer to New York than London. So the idea is to move to Nashville. I will be a singer-songwriter in Nashville with connections with New York. So then wow. with, again, bringing back COVID, unfortunately, but what COVID has done is made audition panels realise that you can do the first round on tape. So if I was to be in Nashville and do a self-tape for the first round, then if I was to get a second round, I could fly to New York, Brilliant. which is a lot cheaper and a lot quicker mm. than being in London. Yes. Um, but obviously I need the work visa to be able to do any of that. Mm. So I'm now currently trying to prove that I'm in the top 1% of what I do, 
and that I'm the best at what I do and that uh, America needs me. America does need you. It does. It does. does. It does. And I've got um, some very good friends and some very good people I know who've written very kind letters to to say this in. Um, But that's that's the mission. I mean, don't get me wrong. I might get there. I might land. I've got Deacon. I've got everything going on. I've got my dog. And I might spend three months and cry and come home to my mum. But hopefully that's not what happens. But the, the whole idea is to be out there, do my music, be the networker that I just spoke about, work forward, earn money writing. Do you know what I mean? Like spend time with the right kind of people in that world. Come home, go back, mm. come home and bring some of that Nashville thing here. Um, because there is a country scene here. It's just not big enough yet. Mm. So once I go over there and I start learning and I start absorbing everything, I can bring it back and we can start trying to build a world here. So then hopefully... Because we have the um, the C2C, which is country to country big festival at the O2, um, which is phenomenal. Get your tickets. Um, <laughs> this year's oh, this year's people are just insane. Um, but there's but that's one concert, and it's it, it travels the world, country to country. It's great, but it'd be better if there was a bridge. Yeah, country to country, mm. and then there was a whole music kind of. Not swap, but do you, do you know what I mean? It's very, yes, we need more country music here because it might not be a popular opinion, but I think a lot of other styles of music are going off in a very different direction right now. And I think country is the only genre that if you look at the list of what they encompass from gospel to rock to bluegrass to, you could lit, there is country everything. Mm. Um, there is all manners of it and there's always a part of the genre that you will connect with the vocalists are phenomenal the musicians are phenomenal they still have instrumentals in the middle of songs whereas a lot of pop music and a lot of stuff is just cut that yes completely cut out isn't yeah. it? Mm. so there's still a lot of amazing riffs there's still a lot of amazing music within these incredible songs which is storytelling which it, do you know what I mean so yeah. that's that needs to come over, but so part of my mission in my 39th year, <laughs> this is my resolution for my birthday, yes. um, will be to get there, work my ass off and get it back here and then go back and come backwards and forwards. Um, and hopefully, I mean, potentially do a couple of theatre things out there as well so I can say I did it. Um, it's always been a dream, always been a passion. But I think I need to... I need to hit hard with the music first um, because I'm a nobody. Mm. And that's, do you know what I mean? Like it's that I have to start at the bottom. I really have to start at the beginning. And that's very exciting. Scary as hell, but very exciting. Um, But if I can get there and spend two weeks, about 10 days there and play four gigs and one of them be the Bluebird, which is... If you've never heard of it, look, it, it's just phenomenal. Um, and if you haven't seen this TV series, Nashville, see the TV series, Nashville. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that's that's got to be the mission. I felt, sorry, mum, but I felt at home when I was there. Mm. I felt like this was the, this was the place. Um, and that's not because there's a big party vibe. I went to the strip once. Um, which was phenomenal, which was great. But there's such a 
and music world out there, there's always live music. There's always somebody playing their heart out, something they've written. There's always like something, and some phenomenal people there. Um, but yeah, that's that's the plan. It sounds really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I've got to finish it. I mean, we've been talking for ages and we could actually speak. We could speak all day. We, we could, actually, actually could. could yeah. <laughs> But we can finish the podcast and then still chat. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Go for a drink or something. Yeah. But thank you so much. You've no been problem. incredible. And I love that this podcast has taken different directions, but still talking about very real current issues, you know, yeah. covering a lot of things. I'm it's been such an honor. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Michael, what a pleasure. A really interesting and talented man with a lot of great views. I absolutely love the personal New Year's resolutions beginning on your birthday and the idea of agencies having a personal coach and counsellor. It would benefit performers immensely. A big shout out to agencies to jump at this opportunity. If you have any comments on this podcast, please contact me on candy.presents.podcast at gmail.com. Until next time.